0: Turn with me in your Bibles to the book of Proverbs. We look in tonight at Proverbs chapter 14, verse 4. Proverbs 14, verse 4. Solomon writes under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, and he says, Where no oxen are, the manger is clean, but much revenue comes by the strength of the ox. Now, the text that is before us this evening is on the surface quite simple. Where no oxen are, the manger is clean, but much revenue comes by the strength of an ox. And so, what does this proverb mean? Well, as translated by most English versions, there are a couple of meanings that could be derived from the verse. These possible constructions are dependent on what is meant by the word clean. What does it mean to say that the manger is clean? Is this a good thing or a bad thing? Is this an advantage or a disadvantage? Well, we could take it in the sense that where there are no oxen, the manger, which is the feeding trough in the barn, is clean because it's empty. In other words, because you didn't have an ox to Work the ground to grow the crops in order to put grain in the barn to feed whatever other animals you might have. In other words, starvation is an option that is now on the table because you didn't have an ox to help in your work. If we understand clean in this way, this would be to say that the first half of the verse is a statement of disadvantage. This is a bad thing to have a clean manger because that implies that there is no food because the party in question did not make proper preparations. They didn't have an ox to work the land to get the grain that they needed so as to feed their other livestock. But on the other hand, we could take the statement about the clean manger as being a statement of advantage, or at least of a slight advantage. The statement about the clean manger could potentially indicate a greater sense of order as far as life in the barn is concerned. If you don't have an ox then you don't have to worry about going to the barn to feed the ox. You don't have to worry about the ox making a mess of your orderly barn. You can keep things nice and neat and don't have to worry about the mess that would come from having an ox. This could be slightly advantageous. Perhaps it would be considered greatly advantageous if you are of uh, such a personality as to be a neat nick, so to speak. But the point is is that uh, you can have better order an organization in the barn, the manger clean, if you don't have an ox. And so, where there is no oxen, the manger is clean. This could be a bad thing or a slightly good thing, depending on how we understand it. But however we would understand it, the second part of the verse, the second half of the verse, sets up a clear advantage. There's a contrast here in the verse, and whatever disadvantage or slight advantage might be in the first half, there's a clear advantage in the second half. Much revenue comes by the strength of an ox. In other words, having an ox means having a cash cow, right? That's clearly an advantage over having no food in the manger and therefore being subject to potential starvation, and it is also an advantage over the slightly advantageous situation of having a clean manger. Because now, you, your manger might be dirty, but much revenue is coming in. At the risk of sounding unduly materialistic, think of the money, right? Isn't that what the verse is saying here? Much revenue comes by the strength of Of the ox. Having an ox is profitable. The revenue that you can gain by having an ox should outweigh all the concerns and problems that go into feeding him, taking care of him, keeping the manger clean, and all the rest. It's better to have an ox than not to have an ox. There's work involved, the manger can get messy, but at the end of the day, it's worth it because of the revenue that comes. Now, having established that, what do we, you and I, do with this verse? Obviously, economies and technologies change, but the Word of God does not. So how do we apply this to ourselves? In times past and in other parts of the world, even today, I think you could make a pretty pretty direct application of this verse to the situation of the people of God. We could say on the authority of this verse that if you want to live wisely... Don't be too lazy to take care of an ox. Don't be too much of a neatnik to have an ox. Get yourself an ox, take care of him, work the land, earn a profit, take care of yourself, take care of your family. In times passing and even some places today, we could make a, a pretty straight application of this proverb. Now here's the deal. I don't know of any one of us here who has an ox. And at least for most of us, even if we did have one, it probably wouldn't actually be that profitable for us. It would probably be more of a liability than an asset. And so what we need to do then to utilize this proverb is to recognize the general principle behind what is being said here and then seek to apply that general principle to the various spheres of our lives. And I think that the one way of stating the general principle that's being taught here in the verse is to say that profitable ventures are not necessarily clean and easy, profitable ventures are not necessarily clean and easy if you want the revenue in this case, you have to have an ox, you have to take care of the ox, and if you have an ox, the manger and the things in the barn are going to get disheveled and get messy, but that 's okay because the revenue gained by having the ox will be more than enough to outweigh any objectionable aspects of the labor involved. Profitable ventures are not necessarily clean and easy. And as we consider this principle, this broad principle tonight about profitable ventures not being always clean and easy necessarily, we can apply it to some different aspects of our lives, to our work, to our human relationships, and to our labor in the kingdom of God. And so we'll we'll think about those those spheres, our our work, our human relationships, and our labor in the kingdom of God. And so our physical work, our labor in the world, is probably the most obvious point of connection. We'll start there. So the temptation that we all face at some time or another is the temptation to be lazy, to be slothful. Why is that a temptation for us? Being lazy is a temptation because it's really easy to be lazy. You don't have to do anything to be lazy, right? You can... You can sit back and let the world go by, and you can just be there and be lazy. My father used to tell this story that illustrates the point quite nicely. He told about this man who was a hardworking man who had three sons. All three of the sons were lazy. And this hardworking man was so disgusted by the laziness of his sons that he decided one day that he would give a $5 prize to the one who was the laziest of his three sons, and so when the man announced this to his sons that he was going to uh, to give a prize to the one who was the laziest, two of the sons started, you know, kind of kind of jumped up and said, "Oh, Dad, you know, I was I was lazy this way, this way, this way." And the other one tried to, you know, one up him and say, "Oh, I was lazy like this and this and this." And the other one, the third one, he was he was lying in bed at the time, and he just said, "Roll me over and put it in my pocket." And that's what laziness is. You just sit there or lay there, as the case may be, and let the world go by. You don't have to do anything to be lazy. On the one hand, that approach might appear to streamline life, and simplify life quite a bit. All the busyness associated with a job, it's not a problem if you don't have a job. All the transportation issues that go into having a job, vanish. Car won't start. Nothing to worry about. You don't have a job to go to. That simplifies life. A lot of the messiness that goes with being in the workforce disappears. The manger stays clean, so to speak. Problems, the problem is, though, if that's your approach to life, the manger also stays clean in the sense of being empty. You're not going to be earning anything with which to take care of yourself, or if you have a family, taking care of your family, and that means you're either going to starve or else you're going to be dependent on someone else. Laziness has the appearance of being the easy and simple way to live. It appears that one could save themselves a lot of trouble that way, but the reality is that in the long run, it doesn't work out too well. That approach creates more problems than it solves. Again, profitable ventures are not always clean and easy. It takes hard work to support yourself, hard work to support your family. Life gets complicated. It's not always fun. And it doesn't really matter what industry or what line of work you choose. Sooner or later, the manger is going to get dirty, so to speak. If you're in retail, you have to face the grumpy customer. If you're in food service, the lunchtime rush or the suppertime rush is going to hit If you teach school, you're going to have to grade all those final exams and face uh, potentially unhappy parents that are out there once the grades are posted and they don't like what grade junior received. And on and on it goes. Every every line of work has its own problem. The manger gets dirty, life gets difficult. That's quite a contrast from that laid-back attitude of that boy who said, roll me over and put it in my pocket. And so why do we do this? Why do we bother? Why do we put ourselves in such difficult situations? We do it because much revenue comes from the strength of an ox. We do it because profitable ventures can be difficult and dirty. Or as Solomon says later on in chapter 14, uh, chapter 14 verse 23, in all labor there is profit, but mere talk leads only to poverty. We ourselves out there and get to work because as one commentator expressed it god works by means not by miracles and i would just add to that statement the word usually god usually works by means and not by miracles and so what that means is that we have to get out there roll up our sleeves and be ready to get dirty both figuratively and or literally and this is how we are called as Christians to live in the world. Even before there was sin in the world, Adam had a job to do. He was to care for the garden. He was to keep it. The nature of the task was compounded and made more difficult by the entrance of sin into the world and the curse. But nevertheless, work is in its essence a good thing. And the New Testament is quite clear that the people of God must be productive. And so Paul says in 2 Thessalonians 3, 11 and 12 concerning a report Uh, that he and his companions had received, he said, For we hear that some among you are leading an undisciplined life, doing no work at all, but acting like busybodies. Now such persons we command and exhort in the Lord Jesus Christ to work in quiet fashion and to eat their own bread. And so profitable ventures can be difficult and messy. And this is also true kind of shifting gears now, in the realm of human relationships. Life is simpler and in some senses not quite as messy if you keep to yourself and you keep your interpersonal relationships and interactions with others to a bare minimum. Life can be cleaner and neater that way. If you don't have any friends and you do this by design, then you're not going to have Anyone calling you at 10 o'clock at night because they're in a really bad fix and need a good friend to walk them through it. None of your friends are going to call you and tell you they're broken down on the side of the highway and need a ride home if you don't have any friends. That can make life cleaner and neater. You don't have to worry about cleaning up your house before your friend comes over if you don't have any friends coming over for a visit, if you cut off all family ties, you'll never have to worry about those potentially awkward Christmas dinners or family reunions again. Those who decide, for simply the sake of convenience—not talking about physical necessities or or uh, physical constraints or anything—but those who decide for the sake of convenience that they are not going to have children, do in fact save themselves a lot of work. It's a lot of work to raise a child or multiple children. There are diapers to change, feedings to give, doctor's appointments uh, to go to, nights where you don't sleep as much as you would like. Life gets very complicated when children are involved. And many of you in this room know exactly what I am talking about. And we could add the marriage relationship to that list as well. Marriage can be hard. Marriage is a relationship that must be cultivated. It takes work. Sometimes it can be difficult. And so in one sense, life is is easier and cleaner if you steer clear of all of the problems uh, that can be caused by interpersonal relationships. But you will be poorer for it if you choose to live that way. Just as work was part of the human experience before the fall, so also was human companionship. And thus the Lord says in Genesis 2.18, it is not good for the man to be alone. I will make a helper ...suitable for him. Even in Eden, before the fall, it was not good for man to be alone. That's why God made Eve and gave us the creation ordinance of marriage. Likewise, Solomon describes the practical benefits of companionship... ...in Ecclesiastes 4, 9 and following, where he says... Two are better than one because they have a good return for their labor. For if either one of them falls, the one will lift up his companion. But woe to the one who falls when there is not another to lift him up. Furthermore, if two lie down together, they will keep warm. But how can one keep warm alone? And if one can overpower him who is alone, two can resist him. A cord of three strands is not quickly torn apart. Relationships with people make life messy, but there is much profit to be had, much benefit to be gained by relationships with others. Despite all of the effort and the work involved, We're better with them, and we're poorer without them. And finally, let's turn to consider the matter of our labor in the kingdom of God. And here, the general principle holds true. Again, profitable ventures are not necessarily clean and easy. And obviously, when we speak of something being profitable in the realm of the kingdom of God, we're not speaking of money, but rather we're talking about spiritual fruit, spiritually fruitful labor in the kingdom of God will not likely be clean and easy. Your life will be easier and cleaner if you don't get dirty doing kingdom work. It's easier not to do evangelism than to do evangelism. It's easier not to try to help someone in their discipleship than it is to try to help someone grow in their walk with Christ. Sometimes we pour out our hearts and our souls into maybe a particular type of ministry or maybe personal ministry with some particular person, and it seems like we gain no ground for all our efforts. The friends to whom we witness may still love sin more than Jesus. The Christians in whom we invest our lives may not seem to be growing despite all of our efforts. It's very easy to get discouraged When we seek to pour out our lives in service in the kingdom of God because we want to see the fruits of our labors and we often want to see it soon. And I'm speaking of ministry of all kinds, pastoral ministry and any other ministry with which uh, brothers and sisters in the church are involved it can be easy to be discouraged, and when we don't see the fruit that we're looking for, we might just give up and say, "Hey, this is making my life too messy. I'm putting in all this effort, and I'm not seeing any, any benefit or any fruit coming, uh, flowing to anybody because of it." And we might come to the conclusion that it's easier just stand back and not be involved. Life stays clean and simple that way. But again, if you take that route, you will be the poorer for it. And I would add, others will share in your poverty because you will miss opportunities to do good to others, opportunities from which you yourself would have received a blessing as well. And others will fail to receive the blessing that could have come through you. And thankfully, it is at this point the Scripture meets us head on to keep us working. And so Paul says to the Galatians, Galatians 6, 9, let us not lose heart in doing good, For in due time we will reap if we do not grow weary. So keep working. Keep the ox going, so to speak. If we do not grow weary in the labor, there will be a season of reaping. It might not be the reaping that we had in mind, or the reaping that we expected, but it will be good. Paul says, In due time we will reap if we do not grow weary. And similarly, Paul concludes his discussion of the resurrection, 1 Corinthians 15, with these words saying, Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. Your labor in the Lord is not in vain. And thus it is that we should, should keep on going and remember this proverb as we do so that where there are no oxen, the manger is clean. But much revenue comes by the strength of an ox. There, the, the ventures that we engage on might not necessarily be clean and easy. But nevertheless, God will bring the reward to our work, to our relationships, to our kingdom service. And So thanks be to God who gives us the victory through Christ. Let's pray. Our Father, we live in a world in which our labors are complicated and cursed due to sin. And we ourselves are sinful and often grow lazy and weary in the good work that you have given us to do. Father, we pray that you would, that you would help us, that we would continue to labor hard. That where maybe we've not been working hard, that you would, you would stir us up so that we would, would work hard and remember that in due season we will reap if we do not grow weary. And we thank you for your word And uh, we ask your blessing upon the week to come. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.